Hey everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio. Let's talk like technical infrastructure a little bit because we just finished a project like that, um, which we're affectionately calling CP Shots. CP standing for Code Pen, and then we name stuff. That's how we name everything lately. It's CP this and CP that. This is CP Shots, but Shots meaning screenshots which is a thing that we do on CodePen for many reasons, which we'll talk about in this show. But the person we, we sicked upon this project uh, was Robert, who's been on this show. We, he was just been, how long have you been here, Robert? Like six weeks or something? Yeah, I started on the 13th of September. So whatever that math is. Yeah, five something weeks. So you're brand new and you've already finished a major infrastructural project, which is, yeah. <laughs> which is something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I just was uh, looking over your shoulder this morning. You're looking at charts and graphs of how our servers are behaving on this particular project. Because it's it's definitely the kind of project where you look at charts and graphs of servers. Yeah, it was fun. It's the first time I've rolled out a significant chunk of infrastructure to a, a large audience um, since uh, since I worked at Facebook, actually. So my my last job, we never really did. We never had a particularly large audience. So this was... a. Uh, this is a, a refreshing change from that. Yeah, there's a little bit of scale at CodePen. I'd say we're a kind of middling app in that way, but when it comes to like content at CodePen, there's a freaking lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> and people yeah, run across it for sure. Like people, like we have good ish. I mean, I don't know, if, I don't know how to relate it, but there's some element of SEO to it. You know, people look for stuff and they land on it and CodePen, and then they. They explore CodePen, and it's like you're looking at grids of content, sometimes four and six up at a time and paginating through it. And CodePen is such a visual place that um, it's, you know, it's our charge in the world to make sure that that exploring that content is like fun and visually rewarding and useful to you. So we deal in iframes a lot in CodePen. So if your pen is animated, meaning it has like set interval or request animation frame or keyframe animations in CSS or whatever, we want to show you that animation even when we're showing you the little baby <laughs> grid version in CodePen. So we do that, but iframes are freaking expensive. And if we don't have to show you one, we prefer not to for your own performance you know, and computer bandwidth reasons. So if we kind of determine that there's nothing moving on a pen, we'll just show you the image. That's probably the number one place that images are used on pens. And they are requested to the tune of many, 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 many millions a month. And it so and one of our desires was, okay, and I'm sorry for all the backup here, but I need to set the stage, right? That that we want to serve, let's say, you know, you're browsing on your mobile device, we want to serve you a smaller, as small of image as we possibly can. Because for web performance, you know, we can't just send you a, I don't know, 3000 pixel image, right? It's like irresponsible for bandwidth and performance reasons. So our goal in life is why don't we use what HTML provides, which is a responsive images syntax for screenshots. We'll take a canonical screenshot and then if, and then we'll make different sizes of it or have some kind of service in place to serve different sizes of it such that we're doing the responsible thing for screenshots. And for a long time, we used Cloudflare's built-in feature for this. It's part of their Cloudflare's workers product. If you want to request an image, and we, you know, we send all our requests through a Cloudflare worker on purpose because we wanted to take advantage of this feature and it will, you can have it send in resized versions. 
the backstory there is, well, that's affordable and a nice API and pretty cool. The scale that we're at actually made it still kind of expensive. So we looked at that cost and we're like, how can we bring that down? Well, one way is to just do it yourself. Instead of rely on an external service to create the different size images for you, we'll, and we have plenty of experience doing this ourselves, we'll take that screenshot ourselves and we'll create the smaller versions of them ourselves. Just, you know, we're taking on technical debt and saving ourselves a few bucks. And, and, and that plus a number of other reasons was like, okay, let's take this on. The other big reason is we have Robert now. And it was it turned out to be kind of a clever project to onboard a new employee as far as our local development environment is concerned, how AWS works, how Cloudflare works. This touched so many different areas that we're like, let's do it. This is a, a perfect little project. So we, we attempted to scope it out and uh, let you go. Yeah, it was definitely a, a good project to start with because it really... Um, sort of had me diving in the deep end of the uh, the cloud infrastructure that uh, that you guys are, are using. So uh, it was it was a great sort of first first step. Yeah. So moving moving parts, what were they? Well, so like you said, the existing system was uh, really sitting on top of Cloudflare for serving the images that went into users' browsers. Um, but the source image that, you know, the 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 service that generates the actual screenshot um, is using a system called called Browserless, uh, which is a third party product, and um, it sits on top of Puppeteer. So, basically, it's a you know it's a, it's a service where you you hand it a URL, and it um, in the background it loads a Puppeteer, fetches that um, that web page, and then takes a screenshot of it and returns that back to you. So, um, it's great. I mean, you get to treat it like a black box, but once you have that image, you've still got to figure out how to resize it. They, and they do not help with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like you can tell them what size you want that screen dot, screenshot to be, but from there, like if you want to have optimized sizes at well, so we we take our screenshots at uh, twelve eighty width, and yep. if you want anything down from that, um, you, you're kind of you got to decide for yourself. Like, what do I want, and how do I create that? So, um, you know, using the Cloudflare service is certainly a, a, a great way of doing that um, until you get to a scale where you're spending you know thousands of dollars a month serving these thumbnails, which is Kind of where CodePen was at. So we're like, let, we'll resize them. Our, we'll, we'll take the screenshots ourselves, which you got to do anyway. Right. And then we'll resize them ourselves. And in that case, I don't think it's quite possible to make a Cloudflare worker do that resizing. There's some limitations to what a worker can do. Cloudflare. So this is the first time I've used Cloudflare Cloudflare workers, and um, they're I mean they're great like for for. For sort of handling a request and just, and th- that first pass of like what do we do with this, um, and having logic at the edge of your network like they're phenomenal. It's it's a really neat feature, uh, really neat product. But for doing sort of heavy lifting um, code where you need to you know for example take a bunch of thumbnails and uh, and resize them to you know multiple formats and multiple resolutions, it's not great for that you're you're constrained in a number of ways in the um in the javascript context that you run there so um the lambda <laughs> yeah so um so we ended up going a, a slightly different route which was to lean on the aws lambdas so what we ended up doing was basically taking the um coming up with a url scheme for uh for screenshots routing those through cloudflare we have we have a, a little bit of logic that decides um, whether you know whether or not we need to actually create a new screenshot, or do we already have one 
um, mm-hmm. that we've already created. Um, and in the case we don't, we route that to a lambda, uh, to a, yeah, to a lambda function. Um, and that lambda function issues the request to uh, to the browserless service, and then uses a library called Sharp to resize the um, resize that screenshot and uh, and write it to both. Um, I think we're doing JPEG and WebP formats. Yeah, and we do it like five times or something. Like there's a 1280 and a 800 or something. I forget what all the numbers are, but it's just so that you know we took a tour around the app and, and figured out places that where, where we need them. And sometimes they're actually pretty small. I think one of them might be like 100 or 200 some pixels wide because we, we serve it pretty darn small. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was actually kind of an interesting process for me was just figuring out, okay, what resolutions do we actually need? Because it, it's, it's a mix of requirements. You know, you want, you want images, you want sizes that um, are not so fine. Like you don't want 20 different sizes because otherwise you're going to, you're like every client's going to be requesting every ver- every size image, depending on how wide the browser is, what the responsive layout is, you know, and, and you don't want to have to generate all those because it's computationally expensive. So, you know, you and, and Steven and I, like we had kind of a long conversation about what makes sense and, you know, and how do we decide. And I think the um, what we landed on was we have uh, I don't know if your I don't know if listeners are going to be interested in this but we have four sizes uh, one at twelve eighty one at eight hundred one at five twelve and one at I believe three sixty oh, okay. um, yeah we got we we decided to do away with that that like I think we had like a one a one twenty or one sixty size but um, like by the time you you actually need that it turns out you're you're dealing with such small images that you're unlikely to actually have that in the um, in the UI. Right, which is fine. I mean, this was all thought about before. It's not like we're thinking about it for the first time on this podcast. So then, you know, the, the different sizes get made. You even had a, a cool insight during that process where it's, it's actually more efficient to make the smaller sizes from the one that you just made down rather than make them all from the canonical. It was just kind of a clever little aspect to this. Yeah, I mean, the... You know, it it does take a significant amount of time to make these images. If the user is seeing that for the first time, you know, seeing a screenshot for the first time, like they they pay that price for everybody else that's going to see it afterwards. Um, and so we were able to shave about third, I think it's about thirty percent of the time off of the 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 thumbnail rendering by by just starting with the largest thumbnail and then working our way down and having each consecutive one be the input for the next steps. We actually, you know, are dealing with less pixels each time. So it was a nice little optimization. And it matters, I think, because what's funny about this is it's not, it's asynchronous kind of. Like if, 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 the, if the client, literally a browser is like, oh, I don't have this image yet. The, the URL for the like straight up IMG tag, you know, unbeknownst to the browser, there's like machinery firing in the background, like go, 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 get the screenshot, put it in the S3 bucket, return the thing, you know, and, and it does all that. And then it's like, <gasps> Here you go. I got it. You know, it like does it on the fly, right? The browser's just waiting for it to happen. And so what it looks like to a user is just like a hung request. Now, fortunately, with images, who cares? You know, hung requests don't manifest negatively in the UI all that much. There's just a blank space until it pops in. But we do want it to be as fast as possible. I mean, if, if there was some magic that could get this down to some magical 100 milliseconds or something, we'd do that. But it can't. There's some hard stop slownesses. One of them is just a, literally a magic number we just coded into the screenshot machine. That's like, why don't you wait 
something like two and a half seconds or something, three seconds, because we want your pen to have a chance to download its own assets and just situate itself. <laughs> then we take the screenshot. Well, that, that means the request for these images have a hard baked three seconds that they're just going to additionally wait. Yep. It's not, we're not just racing the, the networking clock here. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Automatic and the stuff that they build like Jetpack and WooCommerce. Uh, short and sweet here, it's that time of year. Huge sales, Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff. Both these sales are live by the time you're listening to this. 60% off Jetpack anything for your first year. 60%, that's wild. All products, all plans, everything. Uh, you better believe I'm going to be looking around at sites I might need to <laughs> purchase Jetpack for uh, in the next year because 60% off is is wild. And WooCommerce, the whole WooCommerce marketplace is 40% off. couple exceptions here and there, I guess. But for the most part, 40% uh, off anything WooCommerce marketplace. Uh, tremendous deals. Check them out. Now's the time to be making those purchases. If you're into saving money, that is. Thanks for the sponsorship. All right. So one of the other things was like, okay, one way you can architect a solution like this is to just do kind of do it live, you know, like we'll just fire up a Lambda, get it deployed and in such that it's, it just works on production. And that knowledge might be just like locked in your head and, you know, you're the screenshots guy. So if there's any problems, we're just going to ask you from now on. That has not been how we worked at CodePen for a while now. We've been like, let's make sure that all aspects of this run in our local dev environment exactly as they work in production and in staging and then in production and that we have a mechanism for deploying through those steps. So it was very, I don't know, it feels very much more rock solid and it feels like a way that now when I load up our dev environment and work on CodePen, this screenshot service is running on my local machine just like it is on production. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more interesting aspects of this for me was um, was fleshing out the the development environment. So you know, so the screenshot service relies on you know Cloudflare workers, on Lambda, on the browserless service that we talked about, and on S three. Like those are four pretty big cloud components. But but when you're developing, you really like you really want to be working with local versions of all of that stuff because you want to be able to diagnose and debug and 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 you know and and do that rapid or that rapid iterative development that actually makes it you know you know tolerable to write code <laughs> so um so we had to we had to figure out how to um how to create local versions of all those services and it was it was non it was surprisingly non trivial like like cloudflare there's a, a product called miniflare which gives you the cloudflare worker environment that you can run locally and that's a nice little docker container it's interesting i think that one started out as a kind of a community project and then and then i don't know for sure or who to credit for that and then cloudflare says oh yeah i don't know that i looked into the history of that we uh they they took it up it was new to me because because i would have pointed you towards cloudflare's wrangler or whatever like oh yeah they have some kind of Wrangler local thing, and then you're, and then you and Alex were like, "No, check this out, Miniflare." And I'm like, "Whoa, this is cool. This is way fancier than I thought it was going to be." It's nice. It works. It works great. 
Um, and then for like S3, we, we used a product called Mini.io, also worked great for a local file system. So there, oh, there's all these componentry, and you're, we're jacking them into our dev environment, right? You're making yeah. tabs and tmux, which is the little like, I don't know, faux UI thing in the command line that runs all our, you know, wait, <laughs> more servers than you can shake a stick at. Yeah, the um, the tmux configuration for CodePen is, is pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing. I like just the number of terminal windows that, that come up when when you basically say, "All right, run the development environment." is is uh, is entertaining. It's been years of, of, of refining that, you know, because the the goal is in my it's DX. You know, I want myself and any employee of CodePen to run one command, yep. and it just magic happens. You know, it installs software, so it checks what you have, it makes sure everything's cool, and then. It's all ready to go. Yeah. yeah, which is great. I mean, not and for you know for somebody new, um, coming on new like myself, that provides sort of a, a you know the breadcrumbs you need to figure out like oh okay how, how are these services being run and and how do I get to them like that's it's all codified in you know starting with sort of the tmux configuration but then all the scripts and stuff that run underneath that. Um, so you know the the answer to like how does it work really is in the source. Um, you just got to be able willing to grovel through it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that this was an upgrade there. And that as much as we try to make that the case for absolutely everything at CodePen, there's, I think, little rough edges here and there where it's like, well, that actually, no, that's not, <laughs> that works a different way or whatever. And so not the case anymore with screenshots. Now that entire service has now been really folded into the, to the mothership. And that's awesome. Yeah, there were definitely a couple little hiccups there. I mean, one of the one of the problems that I had um, is I've got a new uh, I've got a new Mac, so I'm, I'm running on the M1 processor, and like the these development tools like are just kind of getting to the point where like okay, they'll actually run well, but but you know like um, we ran into an issue with Puppeteer where the like I just we didn't have a Docker image that would run browserless on my Mac, so. Uh, so that was one of the things that I, I was actually running outside of Docker. Um, and then like we had this interesting issue with the, the Lambda. So we had a, a Lambda image from Do- uh, Docker image that we were running that worked great up until I got to where I could actually point like the code, my development version of CodePen at these thumbnail URLs. And then, I, you know, then we discovered like it was completely synchronous. Like it would do one thumbnail at a time. And it was, you know, and in my development environment, each thumbnail was taking like eight or 10 seconds. So, you know, I'd I'd bring up the trending page and have to wait like a minute for all of those (laughs) screenshots to come in. So, you know, one of the things we, I ended up doing was just creating a little, a little JavaScript server um, that sat on code. It was like 60 lines of code to create a very rudimentary Lambda environment. Um, that would run, you know, that would run these, our Lambda function in a, you know, in an asynchronous manner so that we could actually have all these, these screenshots rendering um, concurrently. Yeah, because that's how they work in real life. Yeah, you can call yeah. a Lambda as many times as you want. Yeah. You so, you know, it's like getting, getting a local dev, dev environment going was definitely challenging, but it's, you know, I think it's paid off. Like we have, you know, like you said, like the entire CodePen experience does run on our laptops. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then if, if, if somebody else needs to poke around at this code, there's no, no knowledge of the system that is hidden from them. Yep. That's the clutch part. Of them. So that's pretty cool. You know, and then as in, 
as we tend to do with projects, it's like kind of one of those, well, you're in there, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it a little better. So that's what the, all the different sizes was about and making sure that when we roll this out, that it wasn't for nothing, you know, that we, we kind of improved the experience in a way. I, I think we have, I think the, the screenshot, I don't, you know, it's not like you're going to notice some crazy improvement in the look of the screenshots because it's we're taking them in with this, literally the exact same technology yeah but. i mean if we've done everything right uh users will never notice <laughs> like it's it's a bit of a wash from the user experience but right maybe a know. little quicker not only because the the source sets and tax is a little better than it was before you know yeah that was i mean the one the one thing that i was a little um on, you know, on the kind of the CSS markup side, you know, front end markup side of things, the one thing that was a little disappointing was that the sizes attribute of the of the image or the um, the uh, what is it the sources tag, yeah, uh, you know, which is supposed to really be there to allow the browser to decide what what format and resolution image to download. That ended up being a uh, a bit of a no op for us because the the context in which these screenshots are rendered for CodePen is so dynamic that there's really no way to codify like on this page we expect this image to be this size you know it, it really just depends on where all the you know where the the client is as far as the breakpoints and all that yeah um, so that was it was Truly, like mm. no op indeed in that we just gave up yeah yeah <laughs> like, like I had it I had it coded up at one point and I was like I just can't like there's no way I can I can accurately codify what size image we're going to have to download based strictly on the markup which which is really what that that particular attribute's about. And then you had a good insight though that because this is a client rendered app, you know, I've used this trick a couple of times recently like you you kind of get to skip the line a little bit. Like you 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 know how big we're going to use that image right away because we have access to the dom right away it's like it's almost for you know non-client side rendered apps where that's that's source set and sizes matters more yeah yeah so you literally wrote code that's like wait i know exactly how big this image is going to be i'm going to put the right source right in the markup immediately yeah we have a little react component that that is used and it's you know it's it's one React component that just know, you know basically has a little hook of like, okay, how big are we now? All right, let's go fetch the image, um, and you know it works great. Like, like I said, users should never notice. Yeah, we got to skip. We we totally skip that. So I keep saying source set and sizes. We use neither. <laughs> Those are two technologies we don't use. We don't use sizes because we wrote our own little sizes math that happens because of the client side rendered, like I mentioned. Then we don't, we're not using source set either. We're using the picture syntax because the picture syntax is the one that that supports you know, does your browser support WebP? Yes. Then here's the WebP version. Else, you know, use the JPEG. So we are using the picture syntax with our own sizes map. That's how that turned out. Cool. Well, that was a that was a heck of a project. We'll link up, I guess, all the technologies and such that we used uh, to, to kind of make it happen. And now that it's in place, I don't know, are you feeling... I know you're looking at charts and graphs and stuff. There is some anomalies. I don't know if they're radio appropriate because you're like, we, we don't understand them yet. You know? So, yeah. Well, once I mean, in a while, you know, we have, for example, there's two servers that take screenshots and we load balance them. Yet another just like code pen ism. Like that's how we roll. There's at least two of everything because one of them falls over, they're load balanced, and it's just safer that way. But when you look at the charts, you're like, wow, you know, screenshot server one and screenshot server two are different animals. 
Yeah. Well, and just getting to production with this um, was an interesting little journey because, you know, I'm not, I'm fairly new to CodePen. I don't have a good feel for like the amount of traffic that screenshots are going to generate. And you know, like if, and so there were a lot of questions around like, well, if we turn this on for, you know, for users, uh, like how do we, how do we estimate the amount of traffic that's going to generate? And because we, you know, we basically completely reset the screenshot world, you know, as soon as we turn this on, it was, you know, it was going to throw a bunch of traffic at this system. And, you know, like is two servers going to be enough to handle that or four servers or it, I, I just did not have a good sense of, of that. And, um, and it was complicated by the fact that like, like some some screenshots were going to be requested like millions of times, like the the stuff on the trending page, whereas like users' individual pens, like those might not get requested for days or weeks or until the user actually looks at them. So it was there was this big question mark of like how how is that load going to balance out? Are we going to you know do we just need to figure out how to how to process the first one hundred pens first and then everything else will be sort of this slow trickle or is there just going to be like you know tons of tons of traffic getting thrown at this system. And, um, and the answer was a little of both, you know, and when we rolled it, <laughs> I think, I think when we first turned this on to all users, there was a, a, you know, there were some signs of things falling over a little bit. And then we rolled out a, a fix that sort of patched things up after the fact, but so we got it out without too much, <laughs> without too many hiccups, but, uh, right, yeah, it was, right. it was a fun little journey. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and you know, you had enough retry logic and enough servers behind it that even if they <laughs> misbehave, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the one of the more interesting conversations I had with Alex was, you know, if we decide to change the you know the the resolutions of the images we want to generate or the you know the the URL path, and we end up having to regenerate all the screenshots, like how big a design decision is that? Do we need to like get this right right now up front so we never ever have to do that? Or can we just be like, eh, let's, you know, we'll just wipe all the screenshots and we'll regenerate them if we need to. And it turned out it was more the latter. Like, you know, if we need to, if we need to change things to where we have to invalidate all the screenshots we have, it's, you know, it's, it'll cost, a, you know, a couple hundred bucks in, you know, in, in uh, cloud compute time. But it's not like, oh my God, what have we done? So, which is, which is a really cool property of the system because you, you want to have that flexibility. Like you don't want to be so locked into your, your design decisions that you can just never change things and then yes. discover you screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. That was great to think about those kind of requirements. Here. We like assume we're not going to change it, but, and, and I think we picked a kind of a, a middle ground, right? We didn't code the things yeah. for ultimate flexibility. Like there yep. are some costs if we decide to change things, but those costs are kind of payable. So in this case, I think what we, I think the, isn't the vibe that, if we decide we need like, you know, totally different sizes or something that we'd make that code change and then scale up the servers for a little while. So they do it and then they're done and then you scale them back down. Cool. So it's like a, yeah, it's not flexible forever, but it's flexible enough. Cool. So any other uh, kind of lessons learned here as we wrap it up? Uh, no, this is, I mean, from my, you know, as a, as a new employee, it was a great project to start with. Um, you know, I think, I think the original estimate was that it would take like two weeks and, you know, here we are six, six weeks later and really just kind of have it out to where we, you know, I'm not having to look at the, the production graphs every day to make sure nothing's falling over. Um, but a lot of, you know, I hope from your perspective, a lot of that was, 
um, spent in making the development environment a little more robust and figuring out how to get like Lambda and Cloudflare and S3 all running locally. And, uh, you know, I feel like so many other things going on. It's like, it's it's not projects are ever like, it's the absolutely only thing that you do. Yeah, and now we just have the rest of the world to, to redo. It does remind me of our admin project, though, that you you know you weren't here quite for it yet. But kind of some of the, sometimes the development projects we take on are like are on purpose educational. They're like, let's do this product. It's going to have something that is ultimately useful for us, but is it's kind of secondary pur- pur- purpose is academic. It's like mm-hmm. let's prove out this technology, and then if we actually build something and we hate it. It's not, we didn't bet the farm on it. In this case, the worst thing that could have happened is we could have just been like, fine, we'll just pay more money then. (laughs) (laughs) The failed case for this one, but we didn't have to get there. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Robert, and uh, good job on the project. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. Yep. Thank you.